Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Uh, today, I, I wanted to talk about a thought uh, around this idea, never get old. Or there are certain... Th- I love it. I love it. <laughs> Boy, I didn't know I'd have that sort of response. Man. I should think of this theme a little bit more. <laughs> never get old. There are certain things that never get old. And certain things that are timeless, uh, besides the amazing people in our congregation. Uh, Rhiannon and I were coming back from a wedding on Friday night, and not often in our car do we get control of the music that's being played. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> true that. Whenever we're in our car and we have any of the children, but especially when the three children are soaking up that back seat behind us, the constant question we get asked is, can I pick the next song? And I've heard Baby Shark a thousand times. (laughs) I've heard the soundtrack from Hugh Jackman's movie, The Greatest Showman, more times than I care to imagine. I haven't yet seen the movie all the way through, but I'm pretty sure I can sing the songs. My kids have eclectic tastes. And so as we were coming back from a wedding, we finally had the chance to choose whatever song we wanted. And Rhiannon opened up Spotify and we said, let's listen to the top songs from the 80s. Now, as two people born in 1983, which may or may not be the greatest year in history, (laughs) there were songs that I didn't even recognise. But I tell you what, The strange thing is, a good song from the 80s is still a good song today. I bring this up because there's a strange thing that's going on right now in the Australian charts and Spotify. You know, the most popular song in Australia was released in 1985. It's a song called Running Up That Hill. It's a banger. It's getting 294,000 listens a day right now in Australia. A song that was released in 1985. Now, this is not a plug for that song. I'm not telling you to go out and listen to it. I'm just saying the reality is certain things are timeless. Certain things never get old, even though they are. And I'm mindful that each and every Sunday we come together as a church and we read out of this thing called the Bible that is very old. Some portions of it were written over three and a half thousand years ago. Very old. And it's something that we could be challenged. Is it even relevant for us today? But see, when you engage with it, like a pump and 80s song, when you engage with the Scriptures, you actually find the life of God still beating in it today for us right now. And see, today is significant in the life of the church because today is called Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday came from this idea that God had set up for His people in the book of Leviticus, which is a book about how God was designing a brand new culture and a brand new nation to worship Him. And then He gave them some encouragements and guidelines for how they were to build into themselves the type of people that were blessed to be a blessing. And one of the things that God set up for this people who had chosen to follow God was the idea that their year was based around three key festivals. And these festivals were vitally important, vitally important in a culture that didn't get four weeks annual leave a year. They were vitally based around what they could grow in their own fields and harvest together. And it seemed that God set up for them this idea that the year would be divided into three 
festivals. Well, they weren't like music festivals. Instead, they were parties for communities. These festivals were the idea where you would stop working just for a bit, but you wouldn't just stop working so you can veg out and hang out at the beach somewhere. You would come together with your community, with your community of faith. And you would worship God together. You would remind each other about the story of God in you. And you would rededicate yourselves to following God together. Three times throughout the year, they would do that. And this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, was one of the days in the year that they would. The idea of Pentecost came from this idea that just as they had sown the harvest previously, Pentecost Sunday was always hosted at the time they were ready to begin harvesting their produce. And so before they went out into the fields and worked together, shoulder to shoulder, neighbour to neighbour, family to family, community to community, village to village, they would gather together for a party. And in that party, they would dedicate what was to come. They would take some of the harvest that they haven't yet worked for and they would offer it to God. And they would say, God, come what may, we serve You. We're not dependent on how much rain we've had. We're not dependent on whether the circumstances are perfect. We take what we have and we dedicate it to You. And so Pentecost was this idea that they would have a party before the work began. Before any of them got out into the fields and started working and slaving away, trying to get what they had to get, that they would stop and celebrate that God had called them to journey together. This day is significant because Jesus hijacked this day that was already in their calendar and launched it into the future. It says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus is speaking to His disciples, to His followers, as He's preparing to ascend to heaven after He has done everything possible to make us right with God, after He's lived a perfect sinless life, after He's invited people to journey with Him, after He has suffered after He's been crucified, after He's died and after He's resurrected. He gathers His disciples and He shares a parting thought to them. It says in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. It's not a word that we often use nowadays, tarry. Uh, I dare you to throw it into conversations moving forward. Some modern translations just simply turn that word tarry into wait. And that's true. That's what the word means. It's Jesus is talking to His followers and He's given a final direction. He says, don't rush off. Don't, don't leave this moment. There's more coming. In, in fact, the more that's coming is so vital to your future that I want you to tarry. I want you to wait. But it doesn't just mean wait. I want you to wait with confident expectation. See, tarry is this idea of waiting, but bursting with excitement at the same time. It's this idea that Jesus was saying, the greatest present in the world is coming. And all you need to do is wait for it. It's like Amazon is going to deliver this thing on your door. I want you checking it every day. I want you pacing back and forth in your home. Do not lose this opportunity. And we know that in that portion of Scripture, it says that Jesus spoke to over 500 people and He showed Himself resurrected and real to them. And He gave them this message, wait in Jerusalem with expectation. 
And we know that they started waiting one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, six days, seven days, eight days, what comes after eight, nine, and then 10. And it actually led them to this point, this Sunday, over 2,000 years ago, that they waited 10 days together. And we know that Jesus has spoken to over 500 people, but we know that after the 10th day, there was 120 people left in a meeting room, gathered together with expectation of what was to come. Just imagine being one of those people that were willing to wait it out, that were willing to take Jesus at His Word. So it's not enough to know Jesus. It's actually even more important to follow Him, to follow His leading, to be willing to do whatever it takes to let Him work in and through us. And so we get to the day of Pentecost and Acts chapter 2 unpacks what happened on this day over 2,000 years ago. As those original faithful few were gathered together in confident expectation. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flame of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It says that things spilled out from that room, that as people started to get this thing, speaking different tongues, it's another way of speaking, different languages. They broke out from their room and they broke out onto the street. And people who had lived lives as fishermen, people who had been tax collectors, people who had been called out from the worst of the worst, the most difficult lives possible, were all of a sudden filled with the very Spirit of Christ Himself. And they were enabled to do things that they couldn't naturally do. They go out onto the street and they start speaking in a way that connects with every person they came across. They spoke in words that others understood. They spoke in a way that engaged people with where they were at and they spilled out onto the street. One of them got up basically on a soapbox, a fisherman who had followed Jesus for three years and shared a very short message that led to over 3,000 people choosing to follow Jesus for themselves that day. The day of Pentecost started with the birth of the very first church. And that church has spread out throughout the whole world until we are here today as a fruit of that. And the things that jump out to me are the things that happened in that moment on that day. And just I wanted the opportunity to unpack how powerful this is and why this portion of Scripture and all Scripture never gets old. It never gets old because we get to live in this still today. That this promise is for us today, that God has not stopped working in and through His people. It's not like He was willing to meet with people 2,000 years ago and He's put things on pause now for us today. That the day of Pentecost is still alive and well and available for us to enter into because God is constantly wanting to work in and through us. Us. You know, the only thing that qualifies somebody to have the Holy Spirit work in and through them and God to do amazing things is simply to be willing to follow Jesus. That's all it takes. It's the only qualification you need for the Kingdom of God. 
a willingness to follow Jesus. And these original followers of Jesus set the example for us today that we can still live and experience everything that God has available. It says in Acts 2, 1, that when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Another translation says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That word one accord there means unanimous that they were unanimously together. They had one mind, one focus, one passion. They desperately were waiting for the same thing. There wasn't any discord. There wasn't any grumbling. There wasn't any complaining. By that time, those people who had been worried and filled with the complaints had already left them, leaving only 120 people that were all in. One accord, unanimous together. And it's interesting that at that point, They are filled with the Spirit of God. You know, church, as we continue to move forward and take ground together, God calls us to be a people of one accord. A unanimous desire to say, God, we're here, we're ready, we're available, utilise us. Call us into our families, into our workplaces, into our places of connection to bring the life that You've made available. The idea is that we take so that we can give. And so they were all together in one accord. A unanimous decision that we are not budging until we receive what we need. As they kept on going, it says that suddenly, can you say that word suddenly? Suddenly. I love that God works suddenly. But it's, it's a bit of an oxymoron there. See, that suddenly had taken 10 days to build. I mean, it says the word suddenly there. I I imagine that they were in this room. I imagine that they were praying. I imagine that they may have been spitballing what could be coming. What does that power on high mean? And then suddenly things began to move. But I want to be mindful, church, that that suddenly was built through 10 days of resilience, dedication and faithfulness. I'm convinced today that God wants to suddenly move in your life. I'm convinced with all my heart that the same God who moved in this moment, He never gets old. He wants to move now in you and through you. Whatever circumstance you're playing. And it might feel like a suddenly, but I promise you the suddenly has come because of your consistency. God suddenly works through your consistency. It works through your consistency to say daily, I will follow Jesus. Daily, if I stumble, I'll get right with Him. Daily, I'll reach out to people to help me along the journey. Weekly, I'll connect in my connect group. Monthly, I'll connect with those that encourage me and build me up. I will even gather together and meet in a space even today in the year 2020 and worship God together with people that I have never met before. God works suddenly for our consistency. There's something that happens when we say as a people, come what may, we're going to keep gathering, meeting and taking ground together. It never gets old. It never gets old. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind. The idea here is that God wants you to hear. Jesus says constantly throughout the first portion of the book of Revelation, those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. I'm convinced today that God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you where you're at. The idea here is that you can have a direct phone line with heaven. 
that you don't need to go through anything else that God Himself wants to speak and meet with you. All we have to do is be willing to establish that connection. Remain in signal. See, the only way today that we lose signal on our phones is when we go off into areas where there are no towers that are spreading this thing around. The other week I was driving down to Margaret River and I was shocked to notice that my internet connection dropped out. I was disgusted. You don't understand, it's been years since that's happened to me. That I'm journeying along and all of a sudden I can't call whoever I wanna call. I can't watch NBA games while I'm driving. I don't do that, sorry. (laughs) So when you drive away from points of connection, you lose connection. You know, the reality is same for us today. That as we choose to remain connected and engage with connection, there's a clear signal with what God is saying in us and through us. God wants you to hear what He says to you. There is a sound of heaven for you. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. Why a wind? In John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit Himself and says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The sound of a rushing wind, a violent wind, an uncontrolled wind, an unhindered wind. I I think Jesus is a genius in how He communicates the reality of the Kingdom of God. I don't know if you've come up against a violent wind in person before, but it's shocking because you you are hit with a force that you cannot see, but you can see the effects of it. You can see it bend trees. You can see it throw things up in the air. You can feel it hitting you, but you cannot see it, but you can only see the effects of it. Jesus says that is how the Holy Spirit works that we do not get the opportunity to see Him running around from person to person, but yet we can see the effects of Him on the lives of those around us. See, I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit working in and through the people of God is an unstoppable force. I believe that the church is called to be an unstoppable force as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. And here's what I mean by that, that when a rushing violent wind hits an obstacle, it does not stop It goes around it. It rushes around it. When a violent wind hits a wall, the wall cannot withhold the wind. The wind just goes up and over it, goes in and through it, goes, breaks in and breaks through. And anything that's not strong enough, it tears down. It's significant that Jesus communicated that the Holy Spirit does the work like that in our lives at the sound of a rushing wind. You know that the Holy Spirit wants to rush into your life. Right now, where you are at and what you're heading into, the Holy Spirit desires to rush into your life so that in Him and through Him, you can be an unstoppable force in your day-to-day life. That when obstacles hit, you do not stop. Go around them. Go over them. Push your way through them. You are an unstoppable force. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. God fills every empty space. Verse 3, they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. You know, I don't know about you, but when I hear the phrase 
they're on fire. Usually I think of that as a very positive thing. See, I, I grew up in my hometown not having access to arcade games or very many video games in general. But there was this old pub that mum and dad used to take me and my brother to that we used to love going to. We used to encourage it. We used to beg for it. We used to cry out for it. The pub, I do not remember the food. I have no idea if it was any good. The seating was a little bit seedy, but what they had in the corner was an old arcade game of NBA Jam. Now, if you've ever seen NBA Jam, it is the greatest video game ever created. It is two characters who look nothing like their real life people who are basically blobs that are bouncing an orange ball and they're dunking a basketball from halfway. And in the game, if you caught fire, if you, if you hit multiple shots at once, the announcer would say he's on fire and all of a sudden the ball would start burning and you could not miss. You could shoot the ball from the opposite end of the court because it was a basketball game and it would go in. You could dunk the ball from the opposite end of the court and it would go in because he's on fire. It meant that there was nothing that could stop them. But here in this idea of Scripture, the fire of God is something so much more than the idea of being able to do something well. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 28, 29, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The idea of fire in Scripture is that God comes on us and He changes us doesn't just empower us to do the things we're called to do. That's what the Spirit does. But when the fire of God comes on us, He actually refines us. He changes us. You know, I have a very simple understanding of what it means to be a Christian. It means that I put myself in a position to encounter God for myself, but I allow Him to transform me as I go. It's not enough for me to say I've surrendered my life to Jesus. At one point on the 8th of March, in the year 2000, what makes it powerful is that I choose to follow Jesus today. And to do that, God will burn up the things in our lives that hold us back. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes what happens is that God in His goodness exposes the things that we're holding on to that are actually holding us back. To be on fire in the Kingdom of God, means that you've put yourself in a position to allow God to change you. Why? Because you are called to be so much more. You are called to be so much better. You are called to be so much more like Jesus Himself. And God does not disqualify you. God does not look at you and say you haven't measured up. God does not say because you did this, this and this, you are not chosen. What He does is He says, if you're willing, I'll work with you. I'll fill you with my Spirit so you can be an unstoppable force. And I'll even rest on you with my fire so that I would allow you to be changed along the way. You don't have to wait to be ready. You don't have to wait to be ready in the Kingdom of God. You don't have to have gone through anything but a willingness to say, God, I'm here. As I meet with you, will you take me forward? And those tongues of fire that rested on those first followers of Jesus, what it allowed them to do with the Spirit rushing through them, was to leave 
the constraints and the constrictions of a small space and they invaded the world around them with the goodness of God. Church, this Pentecost Sunday, I wanna remind you we are called to invade, we are called to take ground. You are an unstoppable force. Because God has called you and positioned you He wants you to hear His voice of heaven, His sound of heaven, and He wants to empower you to go into every area that you're called into to bring His grace. It never gets old. It never gets old. It says at the end of the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42, after they started on the day of Pentecost, it's the most amazing day took place that they were a part of. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and dis- distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You know that salvation is not a one-time experience. It begins with an acknowledgement that I need Jesus, we need Jesus and we're choosing to follow Him. In some contexts, it begins with raising a hand to say, can you pray for me? In other contexts, it means stepping out and asking somebody to stand with you as you make a decision to follow Jesus. But I wanna say to you very clearly, God is constantly calling those who are being saved. That even today, after I began my journey following Jesus in the year 2000, I'm still being saved today. For any single one of us who have met Jesus previous to this point, you are still being saved today. He has not stopped working in you. He has not stopped working out of you. It is a process of transformation. And God loves you so much that He will not leave you where you are. He's calling you forward to who you are created to be. And ultimately the day of Pentecost here this Sunday is a reminder to us that God is not done, that it never gets old. There's always something new in Him. It is always fresh. It is always alive. And He's inviting you right now into the new. And if you choose to take hold of it, you enter or continue to move in the journey of what it means to be saved. The idea of being saved is that Jesus Himself has saved us from a life of death and destruction and despair. That He saved us ultimately from a life of separation from the love of God that we could not engage with the love of God while we were separated from it because we were broken and could not fix ourselves. The Scriptures say even the greatest things that we could do would be like dirty rags. But what Jesus has done for us in paying the price for us is that He has given His own righteousness, His own cloak, His own covering to make us right. 
Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.